when you first got to both leagues, who was the first person to bust your ass? Dr. J in the, in the AK. You know, I was his teammate, um, you know, as a squire. You know, so I was his rookie uh, in 73. Yeah. And NBA, I ain't had that problem. <laughs> I'll say you. <laughs> All right, Straight up. I'll say I'm a boy when I come here. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Yo, yo, yo. We live on location. Me and D Miles are here in Orlando, staying at home and staying safe. But this is so, so special right here, y'all. Y'all not ready for this, man. We got one of the 50 greatest players of all time. We got Hall of Fame. We got we got Jersey hanging up in the stadium. We got Mr. Cool himself, the Iceman. George, Gervin in the building. OG, you don't know how much this means to us coming on here and chopping it up with us. Yeah. We appreciate, we over-appreciate you, OG. We do. My oh, man, I appreciate that, man. Good to be here. Yes, sir. Let me ask you this. Did the nickname Iceman come while you were in the ABA or did it come when you got to the NBA? ABA. Um, Fatty Taylor is the guy started naming me out there. Again, I'm from Detroit, man. You know, it's uh-huh. Chicago. You know, and I wore a big hat, man. I dressed with oh, skaters. You know, I mean, I drove Cadillac, you know, El Dorado. I mean, so <laughs> <laughs> I had that kind of style and he started calling me Ice Man, you know, man, Ice, you know, and all that, man. So that's kind of like how I got my nickname, man. And you know, hey, man, that was just a part of man how we, you know, how we came up environment. Mm-hmm. When I was coming up, man, they called me Gigi, man. So you can imagine, man, a brother like me, man, being called Gigi, man. You know, I ain't go like no crap like that, man. So, <laughs> you know, when Ice came, man, that was a that was a welcoming call, man. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Ice, man, I mean, hey, man, I, you know, what what it mean to me, I don't try to be cool, you know? I mean, I don't have to. It's just being me, man, you know? And, and again, man, I, you. you know, hell, I just, you know, done some things that people thought it was cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't your fault they thought it was cool. You were just doing you. That was just being me. Martin Luther King High School, where it all started. You had a growth spurt your senior year. How was your first couple of years? Did you play your sophomore year? Yeah, you know, I started as a, a, a freshman. I started playing, but I was 5'9". And then when I, you oh, know, okay. became a sophomore, you know, I jumped up 6'6". Six, six. You know, so, 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 so you... In that one year you did all that growing? Man, I jumped up, man. I, man, I couldn't believe it. But, you know, it was welcome, you know, especially, you know, playing, playing the game. But, you know, when I was little and stuff, I could dribble and stuff. But when I got big, I could dribble too. So, <laughs> you know, that made a difference, you know. So, yeah. So, in high school, right, when you went from freshman to sophomore, you did all that growing. How long did it take for you to grow into that and, and get all of your facilities about yourself? And then, like, at what point did you start to see, like, now I got this height, like, now I'm becoming, like, one of the best players. Like, when did you start getting that notoriety in the area or nationally and all of that where you became, like, all right, now I think I'm pretty good at this basketball thing? Probably my junior year, you know what I mean? That, that, that year that I grow. You know, it probably took me a minute to to believe it. But, you know, once I became a junior, you know, with that sophomore year under me, you know, I, I was pretty much ready. I mean, I, I was ready to become a senior and, 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 and really kind of that growth really made a difference for me. It made it easier because you can dribble and all the guys your height couldn't dribble the way you could. Yeah, I mean, then, you know, I was I was skinny. I mean, um, so but I could handle the ball. And, but I put my work in in the summer, you know, and after school, I shot the ball, you know. I mean, yeah. 
So I kind of built up my confidence, you know, from my work habits. And, yeah. You know, once I, you know, knew I could shoot the ball. I mean, you could dribble and shoot, you know, dribbling and shoot, eating the pros, man, you're a star. There you go. You're a star. <laughs> you're a star. And you you <laughs> You know, they can either dribble or can't shoot, or they can shoot and can't dribble. Right. Yeah. Uh-oh. So, so your, your senior year, you was like feeling yourself. Like you knew, like my senior year, I'm finna dominate the whole year. Man, you know, I had a brother, man, that was real good before me, you know, Booker. And uh, he could play. He was about 6'2", but he was, you know, he talked a lot of stuff. I mean, but he could back it up. And, you know, once I was able to beat him as a senior, you know, I – you know, pretty much had that confidence that I need to take it to the next level when I went to college. So, you know, I mean, it's always everybody had that mountain they need to get to. Yeah, you know, he was my everybody mountain. had that mountain of that yeah. person they need. <laughs> yeah, he was mine, man. My brother was mine, man. He 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 was something special. You was finna go to Long Beach University with Jerry Tarkanian. Like, uh, yeah. and you changed your mind. What made? You- oh, I went. No, no, he went. I went for two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> two went there, You know, I mean, I, and, and, and it was a good opportunity for me, you know, because you get a chance to play UCLA, and that's his biggest goal, wanted to beat UCLA, and he felt with me and George Trapp, and uh, we, had a, we had a couple of more brothers, man, that can play, man. Um, but, man, it, it just didn't fit me, man. California didn't fit me, you know, and, <laughs> and I missed home. You know, so yeah, I you know I I just went on back been home. Too far away, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. Cause I ain't never been nowhere, man. I'm Detroit, you know, inner city, man. You don't go nowhere when you you know in that type of environment. Wow. So when I went over there, man, it was a little bit too much for me. You know, and it had nothing to do with Tark. You know, you know, obviously, you know, you want to play for a coach like that, but man, I I you know I just missed home, man, and I and I just you know. How was it for you when you, after, you know, experiencing that, seeing it didn't work out, then you transferred back home to Eastern Michigan? How, and like, you instantly started, started averaging almost 30 points. How was it for you when you got back in your type of environment? It was good. I was comfortable, you know. I mean, I was real comfortable. And then I was with, you know, uh, the point guard that played with me in high school. He was at Eastern. Uh-huh. You know, and so, oh, it, you know, I, I felt right at home when I, exactly. you know, when I went back home, man. You know what I mean? And then, you know, I started doing my thing. <laughs> Say it was all from there. Was the point guard that you played with, that what made you not choose any other in- university in Michigan? Yeah, I mean, and then I wasn't really that sought after. You know what yeah. I mean? It was basically my okay. grades. You know, my grades would let me okay. get everywhere. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's what we tell the, the young audience, man. You know, if you don't get good grades, man, you can't go where you want to go. And, you get bad grades, you got to go with somebody else who wants you, man. And that don't work out all the time, you know. But for me, it worked out. I want you to uh, to kind of explain the difference back then when you was coming out of, out of college, the difference between the ABA and the NBA. Like, what was the difference? Like, most of the black players was in the ABA. Well, you know, man, the, the NBA. it was more young because, you know, I went in it at 19, you know, mm. so, you know, once I played, you know, college ball, I mean, and then, you know, I had my incident in college, so I kind of left school and went to the CBA, you know, and I played in the CBA for about six months, and Johnny Red Curves, you know, coach, you know, was scouting for, for Chicago, saw me, and he was a friend of Earl Foreman, who was the owner of the Virginia Squires, and you know, in the CBA, I was having about 38. So he told Earl Manky to take a look at him. And they flew me in, man. And, you know, they told me to shoot around, man. And, you know, I made about 27 out of 33s, man. And they signed me on the spot. So that's how I started my pro career. You know, um, why ABA? I mean, because at that time, NBA wasn't taking hardship, you know. So they wasn't mm-hmm. taking young guys. You know, so the ABA was really the only professional league for me, you know. So, and thankful, I mean, we had a lot of young guys that was playing in the ABA. So when you talk about difference, you know, it was youth versus, you know, the veterans, you know. And 
you playing slow ball yeah. in the NBA where you scoring 70 and 80 points. And in the NBA, you're scoring 115, 120 a night. So, you know, that was the difference, mm. you know, in league style. Oh, okay. So let, let me ask you this, OG. Back when you was in the ABA, right, who would you consider to be the the person who talked the most trash in the in the ABA during during your heyday? Wow, man, y'all familiar with guy John Williamson played with the Nets? I heard, yeah, I heard that name before. Oh, oh man, I mean, you know, he was like a buffalo man. I mean, and then <laughs> he's one of those kind of brothers, man, that you know you don't you don't even want to say nothing to him, man. I mean, because he was real intimidating. And then uh, Warren Dabali was another guy, man. I, okay. You know, I mean, because, you know, we played during that time, man, where Bump and Grind was a part of the game. Yes, you know, was. I mean, a guy knock you out and he don't get thrown out. You know, I mean, so, you know, it, it, yeah, it, it was a different time, you know. Um, so, yeah. ain't too many guys talk stuff to me. Y'all remember Marvin Barnes? Yeah, yeah. Marvin, man, he, had, he can have a 25 and 25. Man, we had some great talent, mm. man, in, in the league, man. But he was another one to talk a lot of stuff, man. But, you know, overall, man, um, the league was beautiful, man. I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed having that opportunity to play in the ABA, man. It really got me ready, man, for the, for the NBA, man. So that's the, the beauty of that league. Would you would you consider yourself a trash talker, or was you just too cool, or was you shoot, or was you like hitting them with little cool stuff, still talking your trash on the cool slide though? Well, I'm gonna knock you out. I'm gonna get you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you said, I'm still from Detroit now. Don't forget that. But I'm still from the D. Let's not forget that. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you back. You know what I mean? That's the. But you know, that's what most guys guard me. They wanted to intimidate. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I was small, and then, you know, I'm putting buckets in. I mean, they trying to find <laughs> ways to, you know, to stop me, man. So you get stop physical you. with me. Knock you off your rhythm. Right, you know I mean? So, I mean, that very seldom happened. I mean, obviously, it happened every now and then. I mean, because, you know, you just get mad and lose it. But, um, you know, overall, man, you know, I think my strength, man, was my mental aspect of the game, uh, because, I, you know, I could score, man. You know, I mean, and then I scored, you know, I shot 51% career, man. So I'm real proud of that, you know. Yeah, that's big, 51. Yeah, man, I'm proud of that. You should be. When the NBA and the ABA was merging, what did you think about that? Did you think it was finally the best of the best was really going to be on the court and all in one league? Like, how, how did – that feeling around the league and, you know, everybody can't go. You know, when you turn into one league, it's, it's a lot of stuff that's going to change. So how, how was that? It was good, man. I mean, it was good for us. I mean, it was good for the league, you know, I mean, because we had all the young guys. I mean, uh, you know, it was mostly veterans in the NBA. And, you know, once we merged, man, I mean, we had ABA guys had something to prove. You know, we had to prove yeah. to the NBA guys and the NBA fans that we belong. So, you know, we went in with a chip on our shoulder, you know what I mean? We went in to, you know, to show these guys, man, that, you know, we could play too. You know, a lot of them knew we could play, you know, because we played against them in the summer times and stuff. So once we made that transition, man, it was great, man. You know, like what, Indiana joined the NBA, uh, San Antonio, um, New Jersey, and uh, I'm missing somebody. Man, I'll think of it in a minute. But these four teams, that joined the league, man, what happened, you know, what happened to the other guys, they had like a dispersal draft, you know, where they, yeah. all the guys that, all the other teams that didn't make it, they put them all in a draft. And then they had a draft where, you know, them guys start playing on other teams. So some teams with kind of a few, this couple of stacked players on there, they got a couple of good players to play with. Yeah, them. man, I mean, it was good, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you, you know, if you look at the next year after the merger, we probably had half the guys on the from the ABA that made the All Star team. Hmm. They you became know, the stars I, in the how NBA. Good we was, man. You know, I mean, so yeah. we came in, man, um, proving that you know we was a big part of, of of really making that foundation of that NBA to be able to grow. I like that. The finger roll. 
what what year did the the famous finger roll come? You know, I was doing it. I mean, you know, early on in the league and stuff, man. But I guess it became famous, man. The more I did it, and the more people saw it, and the more people was wild about it. And how could he do that? I picked it up, man. You know, Tony Hawkins had a finger mm-hmm. roll. Mm-hmm. Doc mm-hmm. had a finger roll, and, and, and Will, you remember Will had the dip. Yeah, Will, yeah, the big yeah. dip. So, he, so, he was just go back and play that thing. Yeah, you know, Will just go back and do that, you know? So yeah. I kind of took a peek from each one of them guys, man, and, and created my own. You know, I mean, you, y'all know, man, y'all pros, man. You know, I mean, if, you, if you're a student of the game, you learn from the vets. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, ain't nothing wrong with learning from the vets, man. And uh, and that's what I did, man. And then I started rolling that thing, man. And that's what I was about to say. You put you put your own you put your own little thing on it. So you put your own. Your own little, on that thing. You, I put my own thing on it. Yeah, you made that thing legendary. Yeah. Like when you started, you know, you you had the flick, the whole everything. It was it, it's so pretty. Right, man. And then they couldn't go get it, man. You know that was the. <laughs> <laughs> You start, you know, you start freaking it then. Once you start getting comfortable, you start putting your own thing on. So when for you did it get to the point to where, oh, now I'm about to, I'm about to flick this thing up way over there and let it float down over you like a, like a, like a teardrop you can't touch. You know what I'm saying? And like, when did you start just finessing it and getting nasty with the finger roll? Well, you know, that really what made it fun, man, when guys kept talking about, man, I couldn't go get that, man. You know, <laughs> that. That, that's what made it fun, man. And, and like you said, then it started making me add stuff with it. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you say, how you finger roll? Because I can palm the ball. Right. So me being able to palm the ball and take the ball up and then get to a certain point and flick it up in the air. I mean, mm-hmm. it just made it different, you know, uh, but guys, man, you say, man, I'm going to get that finger roll. I say, okay, I'm going to get it to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> you go get it if you can. <laughs> you know, and then I used to do it from a long way. Right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You know what I mean? So, man, it, it just became fun. You know, it was just my shot, man. I mean, they be saying, God, finger roll today, man. I'd be saying, man, that ain't no finger roll, man. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, look, let me tell, let me tell, let me tell you, OG. They got this new thing out. They trying to, they trying to tear steal. They, they try to take your swag, and you know how the youngest do it. They remix it. They call it, they call it. What is it? Jelly Q? Is it jelly? Jelly, jelly roll. Jelly roll. Jelly jelly roll. They call it jelly, jelly roll at night. Jelly roll. <laughs> like, come on, man. This man, they just stole my man. One thing I can do is finger roll. I seen the commercial. Yeah. Hey, but you you know that you know the real people who really knew how to finger roll. They can finger roll from the side of the goal. A lot of people can only do it in the front because the backboard used to help them out if it bounced. But I used to see highlights of you from the side of the goal finger yeah. where it's, you got to hit on to get this. You can't use no backboard with this roll. Like yeah. like that's no, how you man, do it. I only did it with one hand. You know, my right. Mm-hmm. Little G do it with his left hand. Right. So let me ask you this. Was it true that you started finger rolling because you was tired of hurting your wrist dunking it? Yeah, man. Yeah, everybody can dunk, man. Let Gary Pugh finger roll. <laughs> I love everybody it. Everybody can't finger like roll. Yeah, you gotta be nice to do this. This requires some skill right here. This ain't just going in there and crashing into the basket. Like you gotta, you gotta be nice. This, this requires some finesse and touch to it. Like everybody can't do this. That's the key. Everybody can dunk, but very few can. You know that's touch. You see, I love it. Beautiful right there. That's beautiful right there. Oh man. Who taught you or who instilled in you the relentless scorn, to have the killer mindset, the killer instinct, like I'm finna put bucket after bucket and ain't nothing y'all can do about it? Who put that in you? You know, my my, my, my high school coach, man, I give him a lot of credit, man, because, you know, he made me fundamentally sound. You know, fundamentally sound, y'all know what that is, where I can do a lot. 
You know, I was fundamentally, I can go right, I can go left, I can use both hands. I mean, I can lay it up with both hands. Uh, you know, I, mean, I knew about balance and stuff, man. So, you know, having that kind of, you know, foundation and stuff, man, so that means I could get it better, you know. I mean, and then I ain't never uh, not practiced. I mean, I, you know, I shot the ball five, six hundred times a day, going right, going left, mm-hmm. shooting back shots and stuff, man. And, you know, so I got consistent. So, man, you know, I got that confidence, man. And, you know, once you have confidence that you can do something, you know, that's how I was able to score like I have. Today's player, like you see a player like James Harden, you know, same pedigree of, of just scoring. Just he's a scoring machine. To see the, the guys in your era who's the scoring machine evolving 40 years later now to the day to seeing the new scoring machines, like over the years, you've seen generations from the 80s to the 90s. How do it look to you? Well, I mean, you know, for me, I mean, you know, so it's two different eras. They added stuff for these guys to score. You know, I mean, it's like when I played, you could put your hands on me. You can stop my forward progress and stuff. You know, I mean, you know, so yeah. it made it a lot you can push a little for bit. me to score. I mean, for yeah. the guys who score today, guys can't put your hand behind the back and guard them. You know, that's anybody can score if you put your hand behind your back. You know, so I can take <laughs> from these guys that make up. That's how the game is played now, man. But uh, James can flat out shoot the ball. Ooh. You know, I mean, yeah. now, is he uh, accurate? No, he's streaky. You know, I mean, yeah. so, you know, am I impressed with that? I'm impressed with some of the long shots he shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and some of the situations that he shoot him in. But you're talking to a guy that, you know, Average 30 and shot 50 percent, where guys averaging 38 and shoot 35 and 40 percent. You know, Mm. so I ain't gonna be that impressed. Uh, Right. Where somebody else might say, "Who? He he the the greatest scorer of all time." Then I'd be saying, "What criteria are you using?" Yeah. Gave him another step. They call it a step through. Yep. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> hey, he's dropping facts right now. Game have changed, you know, since I played, you know, so it, it's hard to compare what I did to versus how they do it, you know. And again, I, I ain't got nothing, you know, I ain't mad at nothing, you know. Right, right. Like when Clay Thompson broke my record, you know, when I got 33 and a four, you know, Clay got 27 points of three, you know, and, and end up getting. <laughs> 37 points. You know, right. I got mine with no threes. Right. You know, really so, buckets. <laughs> so did, you know, I mean, so what, did he break my record? Well, you could put an asterisk behind it and say he broke my record, but did he really? Because the press called me and said, Ice Man, he broke your record. I said, He ain't breaking my record. He started a new one. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Hey, listen. This is this is one of the things that I did. I don't. I I know I, I was unaware about you, and I'm unsure of a lot of other people know about you because you we 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 see about how you was a you know what I'm saying scoring machine, scoring title three four years and stuff like that. But when you retired, you had the most blocks by any guard in NBA history. Not until recently, when my boy, our boy D Wade broke that record. As far as like like talk about that side of the ball because. Obviously, you're, you know what I'm saying, revered in Hall of Fame for getting buckets and scoring and being Iceman, but I didn't know that part about you having the most shots of all time as a guard. I mean, blocking the most shots as a guard. Talk about that side of the ball and how you how you obviously impacted the game on that end as well, but that's not talked about as much. Yeah, I mean, they don't. I mean, they, you know, they say I couldn't play no D. I mean, you know, but I could score so well. I mean, it's like anything else. They'll find something else to say about you, but I mean, I had one year, I had 110 block shots one, mm-hmm. uh, one year, you know, and that forwards and centers didn't have that type of, uh, you know, a block. So, you know, I took pride in guarding people, you know. I took pride in going up and getting them, you know. You think you beat me and I come up behind mm-hmm. you and go get it, you know. Mm-hmm. I, you know, yeah. so I took pride in that, man, and I'm glad you brought that up, man, because, you know, for these young guys to – to think you just play on one end. I mean, no, I don't play on one end, man. You know, I I wanted to stop you, and then I wanted to come down and score. So I took pride in blocking guys' shots. 
since you retired, who was that one guy that's played that kind of reminds you of you? Oh, with KD. I mean, we called it his side. I was just going to say that. I was like, Kevin Durant, that's who I see. He scores different than me, you know, but as far as putting it in the hole, he just is effective. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. and once he added that in between game, he even gonna be more effective. You know, because I can tell yeah. him, I said, yeah, once you start shooting that in between, man, you six eleven, ain't nobody there. You know, I mean, and yeah. he shoot deeper than me. I mean, uh, I mean, he, man, he just to me, a, a unbelievable player, man, at his size and what he's able to do, man. Uh, he definitely one of the yeah. Top in the league, man. Sad, man, that, you know, he hurt himself. But, you know, yeah. injuries all part of the game, man. Any one of us can step on somebody's yeah. foot or come down bad and get hurt, man. That, that's just all part of it, man. You just hope that they can recover. I had the opportunity to uh, to be on the front cover or something or take pictures or with the NBA. And, you know, some of the pictures – turned out to be iconic, turned out to move the culture. One of the most famous pictures, one of the pictures I love the most is when you sitting on the ice drone. Can you take us through that photo shoot where you sitting on the ice drone with the ice ball? Like, till this day, that's one of the dopest photos in NBA history I've ever seen. And it's still iconic to this day. I know people probably still say stuff to you about that iconic photo. So uh, can you just take us to that photo shoot and that? And did you think that photo be laughing so long where people love it and remember that. Yeah, that, that, that's a good story there, man. I, I, you know, we did it in the um, late 80s, you know, when I, you know, when we, when we did that poster, man, you know, because Nike started doing posters, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, cause, you know, they did one for Double D, Gerald Dawkins, they did one for uh, Maurice Lucas, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Duncan Stein, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they did, yeah. and they did the Iceman, man, and Man, you know, I went into Portland, man, and they they, they put me in this uh, this ice house, you know, and they had the ice in the. So wait, so wait, OG, that was the real ice on it. wasn't like a fake thing. That was like a real ice block. Oh, hell yeah, man. Oh, I never knew that. Wow. I never wow. knew that. That was real ice. Oh. Man, that's real ice. Oh, that's dope. That's, not, that's dope. See? That's dope. <laughs> that's dope. When did you find that out right good. now? Like, I, just, I never <laughs> knew that was real ice. Yeah, man, they carved that thing right there in front of me, man. I mean, they carved that ice chair. And then, you know, if you real looked real close, you could see me sitting on plastic. You know, obviously, yeah. ice, you know, it's going to melt. Right. But I'm sitting on the plastic, man. So they carved that ice chair out, man, and start taking, they took about a thousand pictures. Man. Now, see, now you defining cool in a whole nother way. You telling me you was in the ice cold freezer <laughs> ice house and you were sitting there looking like everything was copacetic and uh, everything was everything. Like, that's the definition of cool. For the ice you man. feel me? For the ice man, you gotta have it like that. Some original ice chair, man. That's crazy. Some people get a little, That's little dope. ice creams for the parties, little ice sculptures and little sconces and thing. They they get it, they get a man a whole ice throne. That's yeah. tough. Yeah, no, so that's that's how they did it, man. And um and that's how that poster got started. And you know, you're right. I mean, I, I never knew, man, that people would have that thing on their wall, man. Uh, throughout my career and after. I mean, people still ask me. Man, I had that poster, man, on my wall, man. And, you know, I mean, it's it's a good feeling, man, to to, to know, man, that, you know, people appreciate your game, man. I, you know, and I've always been a people person anyway, man. So, you know, man, I, I truly respect that, man. I, I really do. One of the things you said when you said about the, you know, the, the the style and the swag that y'all brought in the way you was doing it, like the first time I ever met you, right? I was in college, so you know I went to DePaul. My our freshman year, your son G was playing for Houston. Now, this was one of the last games that they had in Alumni Hall before they tore it down. Now I never forget this, right? Because I was like, I'm not expecting, you know, you to be there. None of that. I I knew that, you know, your son plays. So we, you know, I'm there, whatever. This third, third, like we in that one. Man, I turn around. Iceman standing there in a full length fur coat, white joint, with a hat on, a match, boy, like on some Frank Lucas. I'm sitting there like. 
you know it's snowing. It's cold in Chicago right now. So he was he was he was dressed for the cape because you know we in the layup line warming up the thing. And man, when he came in, it was like you already know the whole building. Like oh, ice man over there. He's standing. The man got a long fur. I say, dog, the man got on the a, a fur coat. And he was just he was the epitome of cool. He was just standing out like, oh, that's Ice Man George Gervin right there. And it was like he just made me think of that when we were sitting here saying that story. Man, that's crazy. When I was young, I watched the ceremony with a halftime ceremony of the, the top 50's greatest players. And they y'all came Ooh. out and y'all had y'all jackets and all that stuff. Like it was like, man, your your all-time favorites. I remember Mike and them come out after you know after halftime with their jerseys and stuff on and put them on to get selected to the top 50's greatest players guys who was older than you and guys who came behind you in this group of 50 and some of the most killers people in this game you can yeah. ever see. And, and it's only 50. You're a part it's of that only special 50. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really is, man. It's a tribute, man, to what you accomplished, man, in the game, man. And, you know, to be recognized, man, as one of the 50 greatest, man. Uh, and, you know, I mean, think about it, man. Like I said, I didn't win a championship, man, but I'm in the hall and, and I'm one of the 50 greatest. I mean, so I have honors, man, and the individual honors, man. But, you know, in the end, that's, you know, we go in there to win it all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we still go in there, man, to do our best. You know, um, I ain't played, man, to be a Hall of Famer, man. I played it because I loved it, man. I understood right. it, and I got pretty good at it, man, and they put me in the Hall. Right. You know, so, you know, my purpose wasn't to be a Hall of Famer. My purpose was to get numbers, entertain, you know, and, and, and try to win a championship, man. So to be able to have that honor, man. You know, man, and y'all know it, y'all ball players, man, to be recognized as one of the 50 greatest, man, what an honor, man, and I truly appreciate it. Tell me about, like, uh, toward the end, because I see this with a lot of the OGs when you guys say that, like, uh, my coach was Bob McAdoo and, and, uh, when I played for Miami, and um, he spent time overseas after his time in the NBA, too. Tell me about how, how that was for you. Like, you still, like, after having a long ABA and NBA career, you went and played in Europe, and you still was a walking bucket. Still went over there averaging 25, 26 points a game. And just tell me about your experience overseas and how that was in contrast to when you, you know, had your years in the ABA and the NBA. You know, good for me, man. Because, you know, man, once I left Chicago, man, and, you know, I left Mike and them, you know, I knew I was had my turn. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, the being able to go over to Italy and play, man, it was a good come down for me. You know, because you only play one game a week, right? You know, on Sunday at five o'clock. I mean, and but you played. We had an eighteen thousand seat arena. You know, I'm living in a, a, a unbelievable country as far as Italy. I mean, yeah, you know, I wish more of our kids could have a chance to go over there and just see that history and. Fortunately for me, my kids went over there, went to international school, you know, my wife, and, you know, we all went over there and lived over there, and we played um, for a team called Marco de Roma, and I played against McAdoo, who played for Milan, you know, right. and uh, him and D'Antoni. Hey, I was about to say, Mike D'Antoni played with him, yeah. yeah Mike D'Antoni played with me for San Antonio for a year, too. Oh, okay. You know, so um, we went over there and played, man, and then, Man, when Milan played Rome, man, we couldn't get nobody in the gym. I mean, it's 18,000 seats, man, and you couldn't get nobody in the gym, man. So it was a it was a great experience for me, man. I mean, and, you know, then I left there, went over and played in uh, Barcelona mm-hmm. for a year. And uh, so, you know, international ball, man, was really starting to, to take off. You know, I think me and McAdoo was probably two of the first premier guys to mm-hmm. go over there and play, man. And uh, it was good for me, man. I, I really enjoyed it, man. It, it really helped me understand, man, that, you know, it was time to say goodbye. You know, I mean, you know, I had my turn, man. And, you know, I was satisfied with it. man. You know, I didn't win a championship, man. I was sad about that, man, just being, a, you know, a guy that loved the game, man. But, you know, overall, man, I felt like a champion, man. So it was time to hang up my shoes, man, and take out my golf club. 
Hey, that's right. That's right. Pick up them fishing poles too, huh? <laughs> oh, that's all I do. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do you think, do you think that time when you, like you say, the time you spent and experiences you had over there overseas, that kind of, that kind of position your son G to be able to do what he's doing now? Like, cause I know he's, I talked to him uh, off and on. I know he's coaching overseas and doing, and, and doing that whole thing. So you think that kind of opened his eyes at an early age of that being a possibility and things like that? Man, I'm so proud of him, Q, man. I mean, I'm proud of him, man, because, you know, I really thought, man, his ability, man, that he could play in the league, man. He could have. He could have. Like, I tell people all the time, like, he was leading our conference and scoring, averaging, like, almost like 30 or something. He was a walking bucket. Yeah, man, he could play, man. I mean, but, you know, I was so proud of him, man, because, you know, some guys, man, don't get that opportunity, man, and they tank. You know, they, they like this change, man, but he loved the game. You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, by living overseas, he already experienced it. So I think it was easier for him to go over there and play. Yeah. You know, so he went over there and played, man. He played over there about 12 years, man. Uh, he won, a, you know, got a couple of championships over there, man, out of his Stockholm Sweden. And, you know, now he coach, you know, he got a family. He got me three, you know, uh, two grandkids. And yeah. But another one on the way, man. Beautiful like, little girls, yes. You know, um, so I, I, I'm real proud of him, man. And, and, you know, if y'all have children, man, that's what life's all about, man. I mean, it's to see your babies, man, grow up and have that same passion for life as you do, man. And you know him, Q. He a good dude, man. That's what I was about to say to you, man. You did. I commend you because it's, you know, growing up. With the Iceman as your daddy, you could easily be a little arrogant asshole. And, and G is one of the coolest down-to-earth dudes there is. So, I mean, I definitely salute you guys on the way you did that because he's definitely one of the coolest, humble, and good guys that you, you know, that you come across. And, you know, you know, we, we know how we are as athletes. We know people when we meet them and we get to be around them. We get to see what they're about. And, and to a man, G is really one of the good dudes all the time, always cool and positive and, and, and pretty much the same every time I talk to him. So definitely a good job on that. Your son had the opportunity to play for the famous Low Trotters. Like, as a black kid, it's damn near like an NBA team coming up, you know, when you were younger. And to see your son playing for such a historic team, how was that to see your son play for the Glow Trotters? It was fun, man. I mean, you know, he had all the talent, man. I mean, you know, G could do all, do everything, man, with yeah. that ball, man. I mean, I mean, he, he was real special, man, when it came to that ball. So, you know, that was something, man, that he just stuck his hand in, man, to do for a minute. I mean, he loved the game the other way like we loved it. Yeah. You know, that, you know the gloves are strictly, you know, stage. You know, I mean, yeah. it's a show. You know, I mean, and you know that wasn't something that he. But he won, but you know, yeah. like like the glow trotters is a symbol, a worldwide thing, yeah. man. It's, it's like a, it's simple, and it's a really a symbol for them black kids. Like yeah. I mean, when I used to see it when I was younger, just to see it, I, it didn't look like the other NBA games or another game. But it always stick out, and it's always means something to me, and it's always gonna be respected. Because that was like something for us to go and see, to put a smile on a black kid's face, to go and see, and to anybody who played with our respect it to the team. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I, looking at it like that, there ain't no question. You know, what I mean, because that was America's basketball team. I mean, and the world's basketball yeah. team, but they all over the world. I mean, them guys created something, man. That you know, people probably really didn't think that it was gonna last as long as it did. Exactly. Man, but it had a lot of entertainment, man, and. But Jeter had that chance to play on it. I mean, um, he enjoyed it. You know, I think he did it for a couple of years. And, you know, it was just another part of his history, man. So, yeah, the Globetrotter is definitely something special, man. Your jersey retirement, you know, to, to get a, your jersey retired and to go to a stadium and just see your name and your family name and your jersey and the Raptors for what you did, how was that to have that like a home? Like you'll be a spur for life. You know, have somewhere to go to, and like you always be known as Iceman, Santa Antonio Spur. I'm a Spur man. I mean, I'm a Spur through and through, man. You know, I'm still at, in the front office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still get that. You know, I mean, uh, man, they treat me, man, like I still play. You know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm real honored. Right I'm honored by 
and I, I, I really am, man. You know, um, people always say, man, well, they should, man. They owe you. They don't owe me nothing. They gave me all my money they owe me. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, so they don't owe me nothing, man. But this is the relationship that I have with them. And it's a I good see. one, man, fortunate mm-hmm. for me. You know, it's, uh, you know, I had that jersey up in the rafters with, you know, Tim and David and, and Milo. I mean, the guys that won five championships here. You know, I got five championship rings that I would never wear, you know, because I didn't win none of them. I mean, and y'all know, you know, yeah. I ain't going to wear something, man, that I ain't heard. I just don't believe in that, man. I mean, um, yeah. but, um, man, it's a great franchise, y'all, man. This bird franchise, man, it's a great franchise, man, and I'm still proud to be a part of it, man. People always say, man, well, you're at the game. I say, man, I'm always at the game. Just look up there at the Raptors. Yeah, I'm there permanently. <laughs> I'm there at night. That thing hanging out <laughs> every night. Even when y'all ain't there, I'm in that job. <laughs> I have a I have a special appreciation for uh those type of organizations like the Spurs that really take care of the the, the greats and the and the you know what I'm saying the people that paved the way and it really really put their organization on the map because like you say, you know, it, that's true. And I think that's why you, you know what I'm saying, the situation that you're in where they take care of you and it, it's a great relationship because all of the things you said, how you treat people the way you supposed, uh, you want to be treated, how you do things. And I think that, you know, that's just the good karma that's coming around that you're you supposed to get. But I think on the other side, when people say that's what organizations supposed to do, in, in a way they are, but we know that they all don't. And that's why I appreciate those ones like the Spurs and those teams that, that you see those people. Every I, I smile every time I look at anything with Miami and they, you going to see Alonzo morning. You know what I'm saying? And next, is gonna, you're going to see Udonis Haslam in that same type of vein that you see uh, them taking care of Alonzo. So, I mean, I just feel like that's just on something that's only right. When you got a guy like yourself, you were, you know what I'm saying, you, everybody going to relate you to a spur. It, it, that, that's the way it should be, and they should honor that that way, and it, it's just great to see when those teams do. Yeah, I mean, it's important, man. Uh, Darnell Hillman still with the Indiana Pacers, you know, I mean, and that's going way back to the ABA days. So, yeah. You know, that that's just good to see, man. I mean, that's what, you know, like you say, man, I wish more franchise, man, would bring a lot of the guys that help build this foundation and make them a face, you know, make them a part of, you know, the success that they have. And I mean, we got um, probably 115 ABA guys left, man, you know, that don't have pensions, you know, and that's something, man, I wish that the NBA, man, would step in and do, man, and help these guys out. Man, $2,000 a month, man, for these guys, man, why they still living, man. I mean, it ain't going to hurt the league. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? I mean, it can really change these guys' lives, man. It's part of the pioneers, man, that help get this league to where it is today, man. Yeah, without so them, that's the no sad part about, you know, these guys, man, that's struggling like this. Yeah. I, I know what I want to ask you, like speaking of like how you saying you still, you know, you've been in the front office with the Spurs and all that stuff all these times. So just thinking back to like how you guys used to travel in the ABA in the early days of the NBA. Tell me about the first time when you when you got on a team charter and saw like, oh, man, like this is how they doing it now. Like this is this is like tell me the differences of just how you guys had to travel as far as like getting on regularly scheduled flights at the airport and stuff like that. And then just how it is now. It's scary, man. You know, because I coached um, with John Lucas with the Spurs, um, you know, in the early 2000s, man. And I got on that charter plane. Man, I say, man, you got to be kidding me, man. <laughs> so we got on. Southwest, you know, when I was playing, I mean, we got on uh, uh, Brandon Fairlines, man, and, you know, some of them didn't have first class, and, and then when we got on first class, man, the, only the starters were riding first class, I mean, and, yeah. and it, it was, I mean, we stayed at Motel Sixes. Man. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we took um, vans to the game sometimes. Sometimes we drove our own cars to the game, man. So, you know, uh, you know, for the training room, man, you know, we had, you know, how they have these hot tubs and all that kind of stuff, man. We right. had that silver hot tub with the motor on the side, man. And I mean, in the bathroom. In the- you know, so, <laughs> I mean, so it was. 
it was still beautiful, man. I mean, you know, I mean, because I'm in the league, you know. Right, right, right. I never lost sight of that, man. I was still getting a check. But to see where it's grown, man, godly, man. I mean, it's just to see the facilities these guys got, man, the nutrition these guys got, man. They got everything in front of them, man, to, to get better. You know, no I mean, excuses, I right? it's no, it's no excuses, right? It's no excuses, man. But you got to make a free throw, man. Uh, you not to be able to shoot forty eight percent, man, with all of the shoot machines. Oh man! Hey, I, I, I told, so I told my friend, you. So you know, I did director of player development for two years in Detroit, and I was sitting there, and I was like, yo, I was really telling, like, you know, a couple of my peers is not in the league no more. I'd be talking to him, I'd be like, dude, it's no excuse for anything anymore, like. If it's not, if like literally, if they don't have it available where you have it in your hand, somebody's thinking of it and trying to do it. Whatever they could possibly need. Like right now, coming out of this quarantine and everything, like people are making up things for them to have available to them to just have for whatever, for what, like whatever you want to talk about conditioning, lifting, shooting. Whatever dribbling, like every they are creating things every single day. It's no excuse for you to not get better at all. There's no excuse. So how how do you look at it now when you see, you know, you look back last year, you see a kid like, you know, Zion, he goes number one, he gets, you know, these kids now when they get picked number one or get drafted, they making tens, twenties, thirties, you know, however many millions of dollars, like when you signed your deal with the Squires, you signed for forty thousand. Yeah. How, like, like, how do you look at it from from you being a, a you know a, a OG in the game, looking at it from where it's come to how far these guys have gotten it to now? What, what, what how do you look at it? And does that blow your mind to see the type of money that's being made compared to where it started at? Well, I mean, you know, I come up from welfare, and I come up from a mom that <laughs> you know, raised six kids, man. So to make forty thousand. Back in the seventies, with good money for me, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean. And then I signed a three-year deal for like one hundred fifty thousand. You know, so that's good money. What the guys making the day queue? I mean, for me, I'm just so glad to see it. You know, what I mean, because it ain't yeah. even about whether or not you, you know, you, you know, we'll say you, you think he's good enough to make a hundred million. Well, it ain't whether or not he's good enough to make a hundred million. That's the league that he in, and that's the salary that they got to pay if they want him in the league. So I'm proud mm -hmm. to be a part of that foundation to really get this game, you know, and the league solid for guys like that can make a lot of money, man. So, you know, I don't really care what a guy made, man. I just care about him being able to take care of it, you know. Uh, I think that's the – to keep an older guy, man, that, you know, understand and value that dollar, man. So I don't mind, man. I just – it ain't how much you make. It's not how much you learn how to keep, you know. So that's what Absolutely. we understand. And, and 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 we 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 gotta say another appreciation because you definitely one of the one of the forefathers that helped us get to this point. And you know, you was one of the people that was that, that helped lay them brick pavers to get get this game to where it is right now. So we definitely Always, you know, want to go overboard with saluting you on that, cause, cause all of you, all of you guys that that came before us, there's no way we would be able to make the type of money or live the type of lives we live without you guys doing everything y'all did, you know, in all of those early years, making sure that we could even get to this point. Yeah, no, make a difference, man. You know, you think about it, man. Oscar Robinson and them in that era, them guys, you know, had jobs in the summer. Yeah, so they, they didn't make the money I made. You know, exactly. I mean, so, you know, I mean, just to yeah. see it grow, you know, over the years, man, that's all we want, man. I mean, because, you know, I got no man, uh, you know, if you look at geographically, man, and you look who's in the NBA, you know, that's a good job for us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, yeah. You know, that's, a, that's a good job, man. I mean, so more guys have that kind of opportunity. You know, I mean, uh, you know, all of us, you know, but everybody going to be an ex one day. A ex NBA player, man. If you're an NBA player, I got a little fun question for you. Uh, you have to start, you have to bench, and you have to cut one of these people: Dr. J, Elgin Baylor, Oscar Robson. Wow, man! <laughs> <laughs> That's tough, man. I mean, uh, 
That's only three of them now. Would you play a three on three? You know, when you, nah, you, uh... <laughs> you know, I mean, it's hard to cut any one of them, man. I mean, because of, uh, of who they are. I don't know enough about Elgin, but I, I, I um, Bill Russell tell me how he can put it in the hole. You know, mm-hmm. we all know Oscar. I mean, he does things that haven't anybody else done. I mean, they say somebody done it, but, you know, how they've done it, I don't ask it. And, <laughs> and then talk about Doc, you know. Uh, man, it's hard for me to put Doc down, man. But if I was a coach and you got to make decisions to do things, man, I would put Elgin down. Mm. You know, because you got to make a choice. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to make choices, man. They might not be a right one. I would keep Doc and uh, and, and O. Let me ask you this. Who was your favorite five NBA players? My NBA? Uh, yeah. Well, you mean of all time? Yeah, just, just yours. Just the ones that stuck out to you that you liked the most. Magic Johnson. Uh, Michael Jordan, Julius Irvin, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and, uh, you know, LeBron. You know, I put Ron and Kevin, I mean, you know, I put them in them same kind of bags and stuff, man. Yeah. So, you know, they're my top guys, man, that I think of, man, because, you know, I... Yeah. I'm going to have to let KD know. I'm going to have to let KD know that the Iceman, look at him like, like that's a comparison. That's, 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 that's hey, listen... I can't really think of many more compliments that that, that, that could top that. That's 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 a big one right there. <laughs> yeah, man, he's something special, man. Man, boy, <laughs> tell me this, this question. I like to ask everybody, like you know, because like you say, you're from Detroit, from not the the most wealthiest scenario. So when you first started getting that bread, what was the first time when you what what did you get yourself when you first said, man, I got some money in my pocket, I gotta treat myself? It was was it a broham? Was it a, was it a Fleetwood? What was was it a chain, a necklace? Like what did you do? What if a what if the coolest coat, man on the planet, Iceman? Yeah, what did Iceman do? Well, I, when I first did, man, you know, I got a four thousand dollar boom. So I went home and I gave my mom two thousand, and then I split the rest up with my brothers and sisters. That's the first thing I did. The second thing I did, I bought me an El Dorado. So, you know, what's going to impress me? The things that look good. Uh-huh. You know, that's where that father, man, come in at, man. You know, we say, man, all glitter ain't thoughtful. You know? Right, right. So, you know, I mean, that was my impression, man. I mean, that's why it's so important to us, man. And, you know, as older men, man, to teach, you know, younger men to be better men, man. I mean, that's our job, man. Yeah. We know something, Q. You yep. know what I'm saying? I mean, we know something, man. I mean, and you know, that's what some shit. <laughs> that's one of the, that's the one of the reasons why we have this podcast, OG, to be able to tell these stories and have people like you to have that voice to talk to everybody so they can hear different things and hear different situations and know that we we resilient, man. We can make it through the worst of the worst and the toughest of the toughest situations and still come out looking like nothing ever happened to us. We no, don't I never look like what we've been through. And we still be good. So it's like having you up here and having everybody else, that, that, this is really the reason why we do that, so that these kids out here can see that it's always a way. It's always a way, man. And, and it ain't got to be where to take away your freedom, man. It's a better way. Yep. We had our OG... Derek Coleman on here, three uh, DC. <laughs> and just to hear him, a kid, you know, he was from Detroit, just like you, came up obviously after you, idolizing you, wore number 44, number 44 is, you know, hanging in Syracuse because of you, really. Like, obviously, by way of him, but that, like, he wore that number because how much he looked up and, and how much you impacted him. How, like, looking at stuff like that when you get a chance to, you know, 
impact somebody like that and then they make it and they become a, a star and they put themselves in a position to take care of their family. And, you know, and, and when you hear him speak and he he gives a lot of credit because, like, you was his favorite. He did. He tried, he wanted to be like you. And he kind of had a hand in recreating the game a little bit as a point forward and being a big guy that could do the things that he did. And when you see guys like that and you were able to be uh, have a have a hand in or or impact on them, how does that make you feel, a kid from your same hometown to know that you were able to cause you know a lot of times if we could just touch one, that's good enough. And like you were able to obviously impact so many, but when you see one right there from your city be able to become what you were, how does that make you feel? Make you man, you made me feel good, man. She called most of it is by example. You know, I mean he saw me, he saw me going to work. You know, I mean, and being from Detroit and, you know, and, and same place he did play in the same league that he played in in Detroit. And, you know, uh, and, and it's by example, man. I mean, you know, that's the whole key, man. you got to be a good example and people will follow. You know, mm-hmm. Steve Smith, who's from Detroit, tell me the same thing. Man. Man, you know, man, and it's by example, man. I mean, you know. I went to work, man. I entertained. I, anybody got to tell me. I know I went to work. You know, I know. <laughs> hey, look, I put on right a show. <laughs> oh, I bust that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know it, man. I mean, so having that example before you, but that's how I was about Dr. J. Right. I ain't no doc, but I knew of him. But mm-hmm. I saw his work habits. Man, that brother played so up. You know, I started my career with Dr. J and finished it with Mike. Both them brothers played so hard, man. I mean, in practice and in the game. I followed that example, man. I mean, and the guys followed your example, man. And that's what you appreciate, man. And that's what they telling me. They say, man, thanks for, you know, Mm -hmm. man, what you're doing, man. Because I do what I do because you did what you did. Mm -hmm. You did. So when you're a positive man, when you're positive role model for God. I mean, look at the results. It can happen the yeah. other way, too. We're seeing a lot of it happen the other way. You know, I rob a bank. Oh, I'm going to go rob one, too. You right. know what I mean? So you be a positive example for somebody, man. You know, especially when you got little people coming up behind you, man. If you're doing wrong, don't think they ain't going to come up and do wrong. They watching so, everything. Everything. And, and when Dean when them say that, man, when Darren them say that, man, it's the example that I gave before before them, man, that make them want to do the same thing. And you can see the intangibles, too, because they have a lot of the same type of values and morals, and they carry themselves in the same ways, and, and, and I respect them in that same way. I work with Steve over there at Turner, and don't get to spend enough, like, that type of time with D.C., but every time we've ever encountered each other, it's always been the same type of way. So. Always been love. Yep. Yeah, that's the beauty of it, y'all. I wanted to ask you this, like, uh, I know when, when you was in the ABA and the NBA back in the 70s, you know, the racial tension and, you know, the NBA and the ABA wasn't too far, wasn't too quick to just jump and help us out to say a, a Black Lives Matter or so forth on. So having the leagues how they was in the 70s to see where the NBA is trying to help promote Black Lives Matter and doing all this stuff for the African-American community and generation, because it's a lot of African-American players in the league. How is it for you to see the change in how the league was in the 70s to now how you see this league is stepping up, trying to support causes and stuff like that that's coming from the players? Well, good to see, man. I mean, because, you know, you go back in, uh, you know, Bill Russell days. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, you know, still a racial league. Yeah, I was hearing some of the stories he was saying. An older guy like you, I wanted to know just what you felt. And how you feel to see that that these that the NBA is really stepping up for their players and and stuff that they believe in and and trying to support because you know in the seventies or sixties they might not have been too fond or too quick to jump up at that no, time. No, well, I remember in the sixties and seventies. I mean, when I came up, I mean, no, you didn't really have a voice, you know. But it's good to see now. I mean, you know, you got the players speaking up and forcing yeah. that shit. You know, you got to always yeah. remember that. And you know, the the players make the league. You know, so when you got guys like LeBron, uh, you know, Chris Paul, uh, you know, them guys speaking up saying, man, we ain't, you know, we ain't going to allow this, man. Y'all got to do something. You know, I mean, you got to help. 
You know what I mean? And, and, and see, now things are being done. I mean, if, if these guys wouldn't say nothing, I, you know, I, we don't know what could be done. You know, so you have to yeah. step up. The players have to step up, you know, and be the voice, man. I mean, you know, we've been oppressed, man. We say the black man 400 years. You know, we ain't caught right. up yet. You know, and I, yeah. you know, I mean, so it's, when you start talking about race, man, I mean, you know, you can go on and go on, man. I mean, I'm older now, so I try to get all my answers, man, from the scriptures, from the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because I, I, I can't depend on man out helping me. I mean, because look what he done, done all these years, man. So the scriptures got the answer, man, for racism, prejudice, man, and, and hope, you know. So being 68, almost 70 now, man, I... That's kind of like where I get my answers from, man. And uh, I wish more people, man, would look at the scriptures for answers, man. But I don't think we'll have as much prejudice as we do if you did. I agree. Exactly. All right, all right, all you youngers out there, I hope y'all been paying attention and taking notes. This was a history lesson, a lesson in cool at that. We appreciate you for coming through and chopping it up with us, OG. This was legendary. Thank you. Hey, man, truly a pleasure, man. You fellas, man, keep doing what y'all doing, man. Keep letting these young folks know, man, there's a better way. Yes, sir. Straight up. PlayersTribute.com